You're listening to the Buildify Method Podcast, where we're all about mindset, systems, and profit. As a nationally recognized business consultant, coach, and speaker, your host, Aaron Keith, is passionate about supporting the entrepreneur community by sharing his knowledge gained from coaching over 10,000 entrepreneurs in nearly 20 years at companies ranging from billion-dollar enterprises and celebrities all the way to Main Street and small startups. Each Buildisode's blunt, no-bullshit conversation is led by Aaron along with his co-host Ryan Coyne, a veteran tech consultant and nationally recognized speaker. Each week, Aaron and Ryan deconstruct mental and physical aspects of the topics that challenge all successful entrepreneurs, while also providing coaching, insight, and specific advice on distinctions that affect all growth-minded entrepreneurs. So listen up. It's time to work on your business, not just in your business. Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Aaron Keith, and I want to welcome you all to the Buildify Method podcast. I'm joined today with my co-host, Ryan Coyne. Thank you, Aaron. Today, we are going to be getting into something that could not be more important, could not be more critical, could not be the downfall of many an entrepreneur that would have otherwise been successful. We're going to talk about the essential finance for business and personal. Today's Buildisode is so jam-packed with information and amazing content that we have to make it a two-parter, which is one of my favorite formats because it really shows the listeners that we're committed to not just giving you a sliver, we're committed to giving you the full amount of what you need from today's build a into your life. So getting right into it, Aaron, the, the number one question that I really want to know about, that everybody wants to know about is what's the power of a budget? Yeah, it's a, it's a really great question. I, I get this with all size companies, big and small. People generally have a weird or an odd relationship to budgeting. So one of the things I usually start with is a little bit of a concept around this. If you can't handle the amount of money you have right now, then how are you going to handle more of it? Right? You have so many entrepreneurs, right? We all want to make more money, business and personal. We want to grow our personal wealth. We want to have more money personally. We want our company to have more money, more reserves, more profits. But when you really look at it, right, you know, I, I get the privilege and honor of looking behind the scenes of so many companies each year, big and small. And the number one thing we start to see is if businesses and companies are not handling the money that they currently have today, how are they going to actually make more of it? it just doesn't have any integrity. Right. If if you can't handle it, then why demand? Why expect to make more? So that's where we have to start. We have to start with the integrity around your money and your budget is the structure. It is the structure that provides and manages the integrity of your money, both business and personal. So your budget is the structure, right? And that budget, that structure has some really key aspects that I want to point to. So we're not going to cover every aspect of a budget, but I do want to bring your attention to some very important aspects. The first aspect is your budget is designed to ensure you have profitability in your business. And we'll get into that in a few more minutes and we'll, we'll kind of expand on profitability, but that is one of the first things that your budget is designed to do is to ensure the company has the proper amount of profit. The next thing your budget is supposed to do is make sure you have ample reserves. Next, it has to ensure that we have a lot of capital. And most importantly, manage our 
over or underspending. So Ryan, the last aspect to the key reserve section of our budget is going to be taxes. We've talked about capital reinvestment. We've talked about profit. The last section is taxes. The tax man always wants to get paid. I know a lot of business owners that have gotten themselves in trouble by not putting away enough taxes that kind of wait till the end of the year and hope they have enough money. It's absolutely critical that the next section here is for your taxes. You need to understand what percentage of your gross sales goes to taxes, and then you create the formula. So again, in the Buildify budgets, we automatically have 7.5% going to capital reinvestment and reserve, 7.5% automatically going to profit, and we start with at least 10% going toward taxes. So talk, tax, uh, talk to your tax professional, ask him or her what percentage of your gross sales, remember we're doing this based on gross, which is not normal accounting principles, what percentage of your gross sales is your tax bill? That way you can set the formula as you plug money in to your income section of your budget every month. It'll tell you exactly how much money you need to be transferring. Now, the last point with all of this is, and again, this goes back to mindset. This goes back to structure. I can't stress this enough. One of the number one principles in the Buildify Method Finance Department is to compartmentalize our money. The human brain relates to money differently when it's compartmentalized. So as an example, your home. You relate to your bedroom differently than you relate to your living room, different than you relate to your kitchen. Your money is the same way. Most entrepreneurs I run across that do not have the healthiest of financials keep all their money or the bulk of their money in one, maybe two accounts. We at Buildify have many different accounts. We have a fixed account for our operating money. We have a variable account. We have our capital reinvestment account. We have our profit account. We have our tax account. We even have a payroll account. I strongly, strongly recommend you open up regular checking accounts for your business, multiple of them. That way you are compartmentalizing your money. You're moving your money into these different compartments which will allow you to relate to that money differently, which will also then change how you spend or interact with your money. So your budget is designed to do all of those things. So how are you, I mean, just really think about that for a moment. How are we as a business owner going to continue to grow and scale and grow and scale our, our, our businesses, adding employees, equipment, more locations? If we don't have a budget, if we don't have a, a budget structure, that's providing all this valuable, valuable information to us. You said something there that stuck out to me. Uh, my eyebrows physically raised. You talked about managing underspending. Man, is that something people don't talk about enough? Yeah, overspending is where everyone puts their attention, but underspending is interesting because if you're underspending yet you're budgeting for it, now we have money that's being wasted. It's just sitting around in that account. It's just just floating around. and. Our job as business owners is to realize where have we been overspending or underspending. I know a lot of companies, actually some of them that, that you also know as well, where an expense has ended, but no one ever changed it in the budget line item. So we keep putting away money, putting away money, putting away money for these line items, some of them that don't exist anymore. So that, that, that tracks for me because, you know, not to jump ahead to part two and a build episode number two in this, uh, this package, but I hear 
people when they're talking about managing their wealth say, you know, that they want their money working for them. They're like little soldiers, right? Mm -hmm. They don't want them just sitting around collecting dust in an account. So you're saying the same thing goes for a business. It does. Right. And so this kind of points to the mindset aspect as well. You know, over the 10,000 plus businesses and, and, and CEOs that I've had the privilege and honor of working with, so many of them do not pay enough attention to their budget. A lot of them rely on their bookkeeper. They rely on their accountant or, you know, if they have a big enough company, they're their CFO. And they're not actually in touch with the understanding and the workings of their actual budget. They don't actually know how much of their budget is made up of fixed expenses, variable expenses. They don't know what percent of profit is being set aside every month, every quarter. They don't know how much they have in reserves or what a portion of their budget is being set aside to fund their reserves. They don't know what how much debt they have. It's amazing to me that most people don't spend the time actually digging their hands into their budget, understanding those numbers, being clear on those numbers. And again, to kind of go back to the intent of this question, you know, what's the power of a budget? That's the power of the budget. Your budget is designed to provide very, very valuable information. Your budget is the heartbeat of your business. If you can't manage your money, I don't care how big your company is, you're going out of business. And, you know, unfortunately, we've seen this during the pandemic. So I, I can imagine that this, you know, if the budget is really, really closely correlated to the annual sales goal based on what you're saying. It is. So here's what we see a lot. <clears throat> we have businesses that have loosely, right, loosely put together what they think their annual budget is. And unfortunately, they then set their sales goal either at the budget number. So let's say our, our monthly budget is $50,000 a month. So a lot of companies will set their sales goal to be the same or very close, say $50,000 a month is their sales goal. That's a huge, huge issue. Your sales goal needs to be sizably larger than the budget of the company. So if your budget is 50,000, the closest I would want to see your sales goal is 65,000. We need a, a sizable gap. Now, when I dive into a lot of the companies that I work with, when I dive into their financials and start to peel it apart, they have not properly budgeted because they do not understand the different kinds of expenses that, that live in a budget. So what ends up happening is once we actually properly budget, their budget goes from 50,000 a month up to 62,000 a month. And now their budget and their sales goal is, is basically the same number again, and they're back in trouble. So it's really critical that business owners spend the time to understand the different kinds of expenses that live in a budget and then doing your budget for the entire year, dividing that budget by 12. So let's, let's, let's say that again, everyone, everyone who's listening, you want to have a, a pen and paper available today. We're going to be taking lots of notes as we talk through this today. This is great, great learning here. So here's the point. When you do your budget, you should be looking at all of your expenses for the entire year, then dividing that by 12, 12 months. So that way you have averaged out your entire annual budget over 12 months. So now you have a monthly budget. That monthly budget is the same number every single month of the year. Now, if you hire an employee or her employee leaves, that's different. You can adjust your budget. But in general, your budget should not be fluctuating. Mm. Wow. Okay. So with, with that, how does somebody properly set up a business budget? 
Yeah, great question. You know, we've we've gotten a lot of emails about this because no one's been taught this, right? Like I wasn't I wasn't taught this as a young entrepreneur. You know, luckily my first business coach had a, a big, strong, uh, you know, financial background to him, and he was able to teach me. And then other business coaches along the way contributed to my learning and education, along with some books and seminars. It's just one of these things where most of us aren't taught in school or by our parents. So let's let's talk let's talk about this. So everyone, grab a pen, grab a piece of paper. And let's jot down some notes on how to properly lay out your budget. If so, you're in the car, listen to this again later. We don't want <laughs> unsafe driving. Absolutely. Voice memos, voice memos. There you go. So the first step is, like I said, you want to lay out every single expense for the entire year and then divide it by 12. So let's dive into what some of these expenses are. The first type of expense that you want to list is your fixed expenses. Fixed expenses are going to be car payments. They're going to be rent, things that do not change month over month. The next kind of expense that I recommend is a variable expense. An example of a variable expense would be auto repairs. Or for some people, it's... Um, so there's two kinds of variable expenses. Let's actually get into some examples here. The first kind of variable expense you want to deal with is one that happens every single month, but the dollar amount changes. So for a power bill, I get a power bill every single month for my business, but the dollar amount always varies. So that is a variable expense. That's one kind. Another kind of variable expense is say auto repairs. I don't know when, but somewhere in the year, I'm gonna have to fix a flat tire or I'm gonna have to you know, get an oil change or something's gonna happen to my car. So that's an expense that I don't know when it's gonna happen, but it is going to happen somewhere in a 12 month calendar year. So those are the two kinds of variable expenses that exist. So when you're laying out your budget, everybody, I recommend for clarity and for tracking purposes, you break your budget into two sections. Section number one, you group all of your fixed expenses together. Section number two, you group all of your variable expenses together. And then the thing you want to pay attention to is when you're looking at your fixed expenses and your variable expenses every single month and you're filling in that budget, right? You got to fill in that budget, everybody. You can't just budget a number and not touch it. Part of the learning, part of the feedback, the value of your budget is you get to see how you're actually spending. So the mindset around budgeting is very, very important here. If you don't fill in the actual column of your budget, you lose out on the value of the mindset. When you start to see your spending patterns, that's great feedback to see if you're spending properly, if your staff is spending properly, if, if, someone is, if theft is happening in your corporation. So there's a lot of learning that comes with reviewing the actual column of your budget. Now we've covered your fixed expenses and your variable expenses. I want to get into another section. Now, caveat, this section is not proper accounting speak. This is something that we've just made up over time. It's a way of bringing attention to what we consider is our key reserves. So there are certain things that we believe are just very key expenses that most or a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners just don't pay enough attention to. So when we lay out our budgets, we do have a fixed expense section. We do have a variable expense section. And then the next section we have is called key reserves. Now, here's what we have in our key reserve section. So again, remember to write this down. The first line item in our, in our key reserve section of our budget is capital reinvestment and reserve. 
your capital reinvestment reserve is really, really, really important, especially in this day and age with all the things happening in the world. Your key reserves is money that you're setting aside for capital and reserves. So capital is money that you can spend on the growth and expansion of your company. Reserves are just that. They're reserves in case of a rainy day or something bad were to happen. So my recommendation at Buildify is we tell all of our clients, and again, this, this changes per industry. So this is just a broad statement. For most industries, we want four months of bare bone operating expenses saved. Here's what we do. We have three months of that money is dedicated to our reserves for a rainy day or if something were to happen. That fourth month of reserves we can use for capital to reinvest into the growth and expansion of our company. We need to buy new laptops for the staff. We're going to hire a new salesperson. So we want to have capital that we have our hands on that we can use to grow and expand companies because we know we're going to need it. So capital reinvestment reserve is one of the first and I would say highly important uh, line items that a lot of business owners just don't have in their budget. The next profit, profit's one of my favorite ones. Come on, we're, we're building a business so we can be profitable. We need to have profit. Here's one of the interesting things I see, and you should all ask yourselves this question honestly. If you are setting aside profit in your business, are you leaving it there? Are you reinvesting some of that profit into your business? What are you doing with it? I see so many business owners that have profit, they just leave it there, or they reinvest it back in their business. That is not the point of the profit. The profit is for you. That's for you. You got to take that out or you're missing the psychological aspect of what profit is for. Think about this, everybody. You get paid a salary for working in your business as an employee, as someone who's doing a job in your company. That's what your salary is for. That's how you're being compensated. Your profit is for you, an investor. You know, do you have money in the stock market? Well, you're investing and you're going to get dividends for that. Your stock is going to grow. Well, you're investing not only for most of us, our own money into our company at times, but we're investing sweat equity into our business. Your profit is how you get compensated and paid back for that investment of time and energy. So it's really, really important. Now, bigger conversation, ready? So now we're going to move into a bigger conversation. This conversation still is about profit, and it's also about your capital reinvestment reserve, which we just talked about. A profitably run company should be somewhere between 10 and 15% profit. Now, when you look at a, like a big company on the stock market, um, a Fortune 500, they take some of their profits and they disperse them to the shareholders, you. And they retain some of those profits and they invest them back into the growth and development of their company. So when I'm telling you that you want to be budgeting for these key reserves, here's what we do in our budgets here at Buildify. At Buildify, so let's just pretend, like I said, 10 to 15% is the goal. We want 10 to 15% profit. So at Buildify, we split that in half. 7.5% is going to go to profit. 7.5% is going to go to capital reinvestment and reserve. So if you, you, you heard that right, our budgets actually have a built-in formula. So when you plug money into the company, it automatically calculates 7.5% of whatever you did in sales 
and it moves it over into another section. Then it does profit. 7.5% moves that into a profit section. So we are actually planning for profit. We're planning for capital. It's actually built in as a set percent. So whether our company does $1,000 or $100,000, 7.5% is moved into capital, reinvestment reserve, and moved into profit. Now, for those of you listening, like, oh my gosh, can my company handle 15%? Who knows? You won't know until you actually get in and dive into your budget. Remember, an ideal run company is somewhere between 10 and 15%. So whether it's at 10%, 12%, 15%, or even 8%, just start somewhere. Find out what your company can afford based on its sales, and you are going to be in way better shape than 90% of the companies in the country. So I, I want to ask you, because my goodness, that is incredible information, I, I put, making that actionable for the, like, like business A, let's say, is the, the prototypical, you know, uh, we, we make what we make. I look at the account and kind of watch the balances. And based on how much we have left over after we pay people and, you know, take care of expenses is in the, you know, in the front and back of my mind, there's a relationship there that decides how I spend money and when I expand and when I hire. And this is one of the reasons that a lot of those business owners that I'm giving the example of are pretty much like, we can't afford that, or there's, we don't have the money for the, for that thing, you know, mm -hmm. whatever it is, whether it's that marketing campaign or that rebranding or, you know, new talent or additional, you know, bolstering for a department. And then you have business B which I don't know how many companies there are that are out there that are like this, whether it's a standalone company or a division within one, but what would you say to somebody who was operating at such a high profit margin, but they're, they're hesitant about upending that? Um, like what if a business is operating closer to 50% profit? What would you tell them that they need to do differently starting immediately? I mean, if you're, if you have a company that's, you know, well above that, that 15% marker, you know, 20%, 50%, then that's just awesome. You built a business model that is doing really, really well, and you should take advantage of that. For a lot of my companies, as they're growing, part of what they start to use that profit for is not just themselves. We bifurcate. And as we get more, this is a little bit more advanced, everybody, but as we get more advanced with our budgeting techniques and our, and our company gets larger, what a lot of us do is we bifurcate our profit line. And so let's say I'm putting away 7% profit right now and my company now grows and now I have you know some, some really quality staff and I want to golden handcuff them. What I'll do is I'll then move 2% into a profit sharing account for staff, leaving 5% for my take home. So now 5% is going to me, 2% is going to the profit sharing for my staff, for a grand total of my still 7%. So as we start to get more successful, we can start to share that wealth with our executives, with our team. That's, that's uh, one of the best ways that I recommend people. Now, to the first part of your question, the companies who are kind of living, say, hand to mouth, they're like, oh my gosh, I mean, I can't afford to put away profit. I'm barely making ends meet now. I'm going to be really blunt, everybody. If you're in those shoes... Part of what has you be in, in, in that situation is you're not budgeting this way. Your company must be set up for profit. If you can't find a way to make it profitable, then maybe the business shouldn't exist because this truly run company has to have profit or you're just going to go out of business. So here's what we do. 
I know it's a tough position, but there has to be a way out of it. And there is. The way out of it is you sit back, you look at lowering your expenses as much as humanly possible, and you find a way to eke out even 0.5% or 1% going to profit, 0.5 or 1% going to capital reinvestment. You have to start somewhere. It's not about where you start. It's the fact that you do start. When I hired my finance coach many years ago, I could barely afford this. So I started, if I remember correctly, 1.5% going to profit, 1.5% going to capital reinvestment. And then my goal was, as my company grew, I would not add any expenses until my profit was moved up to a reasonable level. So reasonable for me is right around 10%. Remember, 10% is an awesome run company. 15 is just like you're a complete rock star. I don't see many of those. Most of us are somewhere around the 10 to 12% range. My coaching company is at 12%. So that's where we start, everybody. We start by digging in, really getting a firm grasp on our expenses. For a lot of small business owners that are having tough times, I always find expenses that, that don't need to be there. There's always some egregious spending in there somewhere. There's software they're paying for they haven't used in two years. They have subscriptions they didn't know were just auto-debiting their card. When you really get in there and you clean house, you will find money. And then again, this kind of goes back to the financial mindset. When you're really taking on your expenses and you're committed to growing your company, you will grow your company. Part of diving in, and I tell this to all the CEOs that hire me, by putting together a real honest-to-God budget, I tell this to everybody, if you put together an honest-to-God budget and you stick to it with everything that you have and you really pay attention, your business will probably grow about 10% just because of the integrity that you're bringing to your business. I promise, I promise most of my clients that hire me you put together a budget, you follow that budget, watch, your company will grow 10% just because of the integrity that you're bringing to that department of your company. Wow. Okay. I mean, so who should be the finance team around me as a business owner? Like if I, if people a, have accountants, people have financial planners, advisors, and you know, there's differences that our audience can Google if they're curious about the particulars of a, of a certain title or, or certification but who should be on that team around me? That's a great question. We get this a lot. Um, I think for starters, you you got to have a bookkeeper. For for most of us who are, are, are small business owners and you, you're currently doing your own bookkeeping, it's just not the highest and best use of your time. Bookkeepers generally range from anywhere from between about $35 an hour to, you know, if you hire a QuickBooks consultant, you're looking at $85 an hour. But most bookkeepers are in the you know, 45 to 65 range. And the amount of time that it takes a trained professional who knows their way around this, you're only going to be spending, you know, a few hundred dollars a month or so. And it's just not the highest best use of your time. You could be, you could be spending your time, those couple hours that you're reconciling all your accounts and your credit card statements. You could be spending that time doing sales, making thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in that time. So most business owners give up bookkeeping, hire a bookkeeper. It's, it's well worth the, the expense. Next is your CPA. Your CPA is, is, is a really critical uh, key member here of your team. Now, with your bookkeeper and your CPA, there's a caveat. Having a good bookkeeper, having a good CPA is great. But if you're not meeting with that professional on your team, 
then why have them on your team? The whole point of having a team is you're interacting with your team, not just your accountant once a year when it's tax time. You should be meeting with your accountant two to four times a year. You should be meeting with your bookkeeper at least once a month, at least once a month. If you have a bigger company, then you should be meeting with your uh, your bookkeeper on a weekly basis. So remember, your team is only as good as the, the frequency in which you're meeting with them. Those are probably your, your two biggest. And then as you start to get comfortable with that, then you can start to add a wealth manager. Your wealth manager is a good wealth manager will not just help you with your personal. They will actually help you and advise on your business. And what you should be doing with those little, those little soldiers. Absolutely. So I mean, in, in that vein of like trying to get more education around it, you know, what, are there any helpful books that you might recommend? Yeah, there's two books that I, I think are kind of foundational to all entrepreneurs. I think every entrepreneur, I make all my clients read these books as well. I think every entrepreneur should read these books. They're also quite entertaining. They're not dry and, and dull. Um, Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. I think Profit First is a phenomenal, phenomenal book. Um, I don't relate to his principles as like uh, like chiseled in stone. I think a lot of them are guidelines. I have different um some different views on some of them, but it's a really, really good book. And for the most part, I'd say it's pretty spot on. Um, and then the next one is Simple Numbers, uh, Straight Profit by Greg Crabtree. I, I love I love this book. Um, I like it a little bit more than Profit First. I think there's a blending of both of their viewpoints. They actually know each other. Um, I think if you blend both of their viewpoints, then you get the best overall financial structures out of them. So those are awesome, awesome books. Definitely read them. We can also put them in the show notes for you as well. All right. This is this is all incredible, but we got to give our listeners a break to collect themselves, to take all this information in. We're going to absorb it into our financial soul since uh, one of the recommendations you were talking about there being guidelines and not necessarily word for word. That sounds as close as a thing as there is to financial spirituality to me. So I hope that everybody in the audience got a ton out of part one of our two-part series on essential finance for business and personal here on the Buildify Method podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us and make sure to tune in two weeks from today. The business portion is done. It's in the books. Hopefully you're going to get your books going and we're going to get the personal stuff really broken down nicely for you, continuing in part two of essential finance for business and personal. Thank you so much, everybody.